Shut up and sit down. Guess what we just baked up? 375 degrees for 90 minutes. Straight to you for your podcast pleasure. The Dial Podcast. Enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm Jake Fondering, and today I am here with Matt Legrand. Hey, what is happening? Evan Price. How's it going? And Lance Hepler. Lance Romance in the house. Oh. <laughs> um, Bringing it, it strong. The intro game has been up. That's, <laughs> that's sticking. That's definitely sticking. Good times. Hey, uh, welcome back for another edition of the Dialed Podcast. Thank you for joining us. And um, we are here and we are actually in- enjoying a nice little cup of something. Matt, why yeah, don't you tell us a little not, bit about this? It's, it's not coffee this time. Yeah. We are enjoying um, an Alassian uh, IPA and it's called Stardust or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I just glanced at it and the, the brewery is from Seattle, Washington. So yeah, not bad. Tasting Sounds good, magical. It Tasting is too good. Not too. Yeah, yeah. We should yes. have a sip. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys have? What do you guys been up to? What'd you get? Uh, what'd you have going on today, Evan? Uh, well, I ate some dark chocolate mm-hmm. and I worked and trained super early this morning because yeah. I got a. So yeah, we I, we got that text. <laughs> it was like four thirty or something in the morning. Was that when you started or did you just finishing? Uh, start started at four. Yeah. But that was <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that when I was finishing? Yeah, I, no. I got that same text. Got the yeah. Like, huh? <laughs> so yeah, what was the workout? Uh, the workout was two and a half hours with two by twenty minute zone three progression to zone three, and then a quick ten k run off okay. the bike, and the ten k was hard. So yeah, was it yeah. dark when you were? Uh, it, it actually is actually just getting up. light uh, when pretty. I was running. Yeah. Probably pretty this morning. It was. It was very. Yeah, someone's coming out around what six forty-five, six fifty. So off the bike, right into pace. Mm-hmm. How are the legs feeling? Uh, legs are feeling good. I'm surprised. I'm coming to the end of a big training block, and I just had a 24-hour flu, which was oh, great. Yay. Ugh. Ugh. We could have another, we have a bit about training through sickness. Bad yeah. idea sometimes, good yeah. idea other times. Yeah. So. No, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. 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 How about you, Matt? Did you uh, get on any kind of bicycle um, or running so, shoe? No, I uh, just kind of took a, a bit of a recovery day and um, got in the water. And so I feel like swimming is like rejuvenating. Like, yeah, you guys, oh, yeah. you know, if you don't swim, you should. I know, Jake, you don't swim, but you no. should. <laughs> because like you can, I feel like there's just something about it. You get in the water, you know, it's like the bubbles or something. You're underwater and it's just like, yeah, I didn't swim that much, maybe a mile or something. And uh, it was great. Maybe Actually, a mile. Know, I did some, I did some stuff that was fast and uh, the coach on deck had us like kicking more. Mm-hmm. And I like checked one of the hundred meter splits, and I was like, "Wow, that was like one eighteen. I was like, "That's not bad." Ooh, I know. I was like, "That swim is coming. We're, we're gonna have some fun well. open water swimming oh, this yeah, season." Yeah. Ooh. Well, you know. So maybe, maybe I need to kick more. I don't know. As usual, yeah. I'll be out there with my rowboat. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The little bike paddle boat yeah. thingies. There you go. Lance, you get on the bike today? Um, I did not. But let me let me be clear for my friends who know me that I, I am not drinking the IPA, just oh, so yeah. that they don't assume <laughs> that I am. Yeah. I am not a beer drinker. I've He's drinking the very, very, I've very got, watered down version. Yeah. I've got a tall glass of water here. Yeah. It's got the main me. ingredient. That's so, it. Yeah. It's hard to say that you have a tall glass of water when, you know, right when you're in the middle of a keg stand. <laughs> <laughs> so people, it's a podcast. They you have know, no idea. Yeah. Funny thing. This is might be a funny story. It might be weird for you to hear, <laughs> but I have actually never 
tasted beer in my entire life. I bet, I bet oh, you wouldn't like it. Oh, my gosh. It no. Because it's a totally an acquired taste, right? <laughs> yes. Like, coffee is, like, yeah. the same thing. So coffee is, like, not that good yeah. until you've been drinking it for a long time, and then you crave I, it. I really do think, though, like, a good glass of, like, orange juice is always going to taste better to me. I mean, I love the taste of beer. I love the taste yeah. of coffee. But if, if there was no benefit to coffee or beer outside of just drinking it, yeah. like I would absolutely choose apple juice every single time. <laughs> I would yeah. disagree. It's definitely an acquired <laughs> taste. Yeah. And that, you know, I've said this before. It's like if there was no alcohol in beer at all, it was just like no problem. I would be all the, all, you know, more for it. Like I would be more the interested in it. part <laughs> of waking up is IPA in your cup. Yeah. 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 Who needs I'd, coffee? Matt's just right. drinking his non-alcoholic IPA. If it was non-alcoholic, I'd be all <laughs> Is that about a thing? it. A non-alcoholic IPA. <clears throat> um, Is they that make, possible? No, they make non-alcoholic beer. It's just not very good. Odell's, it doesn't, it doesn't, yeah, yeah. Odell's mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. I don't think it has the quite the same flavor. Yeah. So, you guys watching anything cool on TV or any uh, any recent movies? Anything good out there right now? Something to kind of yeah. What's entertain us the- while we're on our trainer Ooh. slogging out the miles? So many bike races. I'm just watching YouTube full races right now. Yeah. I'm really into spring bike you guys racing right now. Seen that documentary on Netflix? Is it Incris? Is that Icris? Icris. 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 Yeah. yeah. Flew too close it's to the, the sun. sun, right? Yeah. 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 I have been meaning it's on my list. It's like we can't talk about it too much because it's it's in my hit list of things to watch. So I need a long trainer ride, which we need some bad weather so that I can get a nice trainer ride in. And <laughs> yeah, then I can, some rain's coming this weekend. And, and I also, for me, like if I'm going to watch a movie on the trainer, it's probably like an easy trainer day. So yeah. that's yeah. what I need to watch yep. that movie. It's a fantastic documentary. It's very well done. It's very interesting. It takes a turn that you're not quite expecting. Yeah. So, so this is drug. This is the kind of the story of Russian like state-sponsored drug correct yeah that's what it kind of got into i'm only halfway through (laughs) i had a really rough um training schedule and it led to me being pretty fatigued last night on the couch so i only got about a third or maybe halfway through that and um yeah was sonsies after that so i gotta go pick back up where i left off but maybe lance can give us a little bit better uh you know uh basically it's about this guy he's in his 40s and he's in his 40s and and he decides that he is going to do a full year of systematic doping with whatever the the best doping things he can do wasn't he following lance's protocol yeah he, something that was somewhat close something to close yeah. to what lance's protocol was yeah how, so, how heroic <clears throat> what a sacrifice yes so <laughs> he made it a documentary um and it it just it took a weird turn the I guess I don't want to get into it too much because I don't it's want to so spoil it. It's so tough not to spoil yeah, it. It's so good. It. For anybody who's listening to this and has not heard, you know, watched it, yeah, you better watch it soon because we're going to talk about this in future <laughs> yeah. podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this could be the warning. Like, yeah. hey, Matt, <laughs> Jake, finish alert. the finish the movie because we are going to talk about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Spoiler alert has been laid down. So I have a question for you guys. You know, mm-hmm. regarding drug testing or whatever. What is to stop a race director from like threatening to drug test, right? Like I get that drug testing is expensive and blah, 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 and whatever it has to be sanctioned. But what if a race director was just like, Hey, we're going to do 50 random drug tests. Like, you know, if you're signed up for this race, great. Like we have your race money. We've got your entry fees. We're going to do this. You know, this is because we're, you know, USA cycling certified, whatever race or USA, you know, triathlon certified race. And we need to do our drug testing. You know, like what's the stop the race director from just threatening to do it and then not doing it. My first answer is money. I think that's yeah. what stops them because it's going to cost them something to run the test. And well, most, most race directors are, I mean, it, it's not yeah. a volunteer thing. They're trying to make money. No. So they're trying to, they're trying to attract as yeah. many 
participants that's as true. they can. Sure. Yeah. And if they're going to start spooking people off by drug tests, that, yeah, that's that, true. that brings yeah. up a good question, though. How... How many people do you think in your local no. amateur this races? Is a, yeah, most of the local this stuff is, is zero, right? So that's what you would think. Think, yeah, but yeah. they're human. Oh, no, you mean? Oh, you're saying <laughs> right. like yeah. um, what percentage are doing things? What yeah. percentage are actually I, doing? Something? I think it's on the rise, and my theory is is because the late night infomercials of like, are you tired? Do you mm-hmm. feel? Do you feel tired? Are you not as fast as you used to be H- when you H- were? Well, you should talk to your talk to your doctor about low testosterone, and yep. I just think that, that a lot of people will think that it's like, oh no no no, I have a medical condition, like I'm okay to take testosterone and go race. No, nope, you're not. Turns yeah. out you're really not allowed to do that. Yeah. So. This the, the, this is my opinion on this. I think as you get a little bit older, it's, so it's I think in the over forties, yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of yeah. the human growth hormone and the and the testosterone oh, yeah. boosting, yeah. Yeah. but. In my age groups, a little bit younger, yeah. I think you see a lot of overuse of things like cortisol or you know, like any like albuterol. So a lot of the like uh, sports asthma sort of sort of conditions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I knew kids who at least for track would you know absolutely did not have asthma or a script for albuterol and were using it before <laughs> races. Which is, you know, I mean, when we're talking about small gains, there there's a couple studies out there to point that al- uh, albuterol does increase performance in the short term, you know, like short, short bursts of Well, and they have limits on that, power. right? I mean, yeah. it wouldn't, they wouldn't have limits on that particular drug if it wasn't yeah. for like, yeah. and benefit. Some, and some of these drugs pass through your system really quickly. I mean, you, yeah. you look at it like where do we draw the line on on what's what's a PED and what's not a PED? Caffeine is a PED. Absolutely. I mean, there there are studies to show yeah. that caffeine well, is a PED. And for yeah. a long time before your time, they had limits on how much caffeine you could have, and mm-hmm. athletes would actually run into trouble. According to them, they would say like, "Well, I had, you know, eight cups of coffee and I hit the limit of this caffeine." And they would test positive for too much caffeine in their system. Mm-hmm. So that used to be a real like offensible, you know, whatever. You probably get a warning or something, but still, it was a situation that people had to be aware of. So you know now they don't care about caffeine because probably because you know there was you were able to hit that limit with coffee or whatever it is but right. yeah so people will have little caffeine pills right a lot mm-hmm. of the pro peloton still do this right a little i do caffeine that. pill yeah i mean I, it's i take in a ton of caffeine during it's, races it's I mean, fair i mean i feel yeah. like th- so so my big thing is like it has to be fair you know like yeah. if caffeine's legal fine you know like if crack rock is legal fine yeah. right like it it's needs to be fair, fair yeah. right well i mean like that you know we have these rules and it's like yeah let's not have epo because you, your heart can stop right like we have these rules for a reason mm-hmm. and the rules are this and people need to follow the rules and then then you have fair competition so yeah, yeah. so would you deem it fair that once a male hits 40 that his natural yeah. testosterone levels start Drop. to come down that yeah. it's okay and it's fair for everybody if you once you hit that magical 40 mark to go into your dock and get that testosterone patch, slap it on yourself, no. and, and all of a sudden so, you're you're out there, you know, playing like a twenty so, something. Here's right. a, no. here's here's the one problem with that. Speaking from a medical point of view, yep. is your body over long periods of time, if you are using a testosterone supplement, you do right. not need one, will Stop decrease quit, natural quit production of testosterone, yeah. which. I don't want to see that happen in the over forty cycling yeah. community. All, all of a sudden, I don't want like every guy reaching sixty and all of a sudden having like, you know, major thyroid issues or anything yes. like that. Yeah, so. kind of Matistema and yeah, <laughs> major estrogen issues. And, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, so many crazy things. And and what's interesting here, where we race Obra, the Oregon Bicycle Racing Association, from what I know and from what I've talked to other people, I've never heard of a single person 
one time being tested. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it just doesn't it's, happen. It's honor system racing. Yeah. Amateur racing in the Northwest is honor system so, racing. So we know the, honor system doesn't work, though. I'm yeah. being such a pessimist, I, yeah. but it doesn't. I, I it agree. Doesn't. People are going to push that line. They always so, do. If you go back to Matt's original question. So, yeah, so that was my original question. So, like, yeah. What about just threatening to do it yeah. and not yeah. doing it? And then yeah. we've got all these people that are signed up for this race, and they're, they're pre-regged and all that other stuff, and how many people don't show up to the race? And like, yeah. oh, crap, I don't want to get tested. Well, and I think Lance's point was like, you're still, <clears throat> you know, your race is going to have less numbers, then next year they won't, they're not going to sign up for your race. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it will eventually hurt them financially. Yeah, well, if it, it might be a very small percentage. We yeah, don't know. You don't know. And but, does and does yeah. the racing community want to open up that Pandora's box? Let's, I mean, let's say that this oh, is yeah. a bigger problem than people would guess. Right. Yeah. Like if it's ten yeah. percent of, yeah. and I'm gonna blame guys because I think it's guys. Yeah. If it's ten it's percent of the guys doing this or whatever it is, mm-hmm. then like that's a that's a little chunk of change for a race director. Yeah. Yes, Not is. to mention the fact that across the country and even here. It, numbers are on the decline. Cycle, the cycling yeah. community yeah. is big time. is it's all shrinking. I mean, yep. there's they're they're losing numbers to other. Right. I mean, you can do Spartan races, exactly. and all this other stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, very interesting topic, and definitely something that you could debate and go back and forth on. It's a big, deep, dark hole that yeah. we yeah, go down. That's true. Oh, we're, it, yeah, we're we're gonna go deep into yeah. that dark okay. hole I have at a, some point. This is just one of those topics that's gonna be continually coming up because I get together with um, other like runner friends and stuff like that, and we're just thinking, especially like those Ironman races. It's just like, hey, you know, you are fifth. How many of those guys that were ahead of you were were taking yep. something? It's like I don't know. Like who knows. You can't, yeah. you can't ever guess. You can't play that guessing game. Yeah. So we'll, I mean, we're going to talk about this in the future. Oh. It's just going to come up. If it's worth anything, I'm happy to pee in a cup, take my hair, take blood, yeah. stool samples. I don't care. <laughs> yep. You can have whatever you want. I'm clean. Take, so yeah. I'm going out there and I'm doing my thing. And it'll be coming at a time that I have to, you so, know. So my other so idea. not there anymore. My other race director idea is have, like, athletes say, like, you, you know, pay for your own, like, drug testing. Like, you know, it's 10 extra bucks or whatever. Like, pay for your own drug testing. Like, oh, I yeah. think that would be cool. I would, I would there's be some peer pressure to... that could go on there too. Cause if I submitted mine and said, like well, why that. didn't you submit yours? I like that. I'm yeah. clean. It's like, I would do there's nothing to hide. Yeah. But then again, it comes back <clears throat> to Lance's point of like, you might scare off participants and that's mm-hmm. a problem. Yeah. So, but if those participants are leaving the sport and they're dirty, mm-hmm. yeah. Is that a true. bad thing? Yeah. I don't know. This is yeah. true. I mean, I only for the race director who makes yes, less money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call well, out all your race directors out there. Then you need to fire up the teams out there like Dowd Cycling to uh, recruit and get some more people out there. I mean, we've brought yeah. in the past year, I think it's 25 or 30 people who have never raced before. And they are now card carrying members of Obra and they're racing for the first time and um, they're learning the ropes. And we're going to try and help grow and promote road racing, mountain bike racing, cyclocross, time trial, the whole gamut. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Got to get it done. I yeah. think out this, with the old and in with the new. Yeah, I think I think this whole pressure to to dope in the amateur world comes from. I mean, it's a cultural thing on teams. If that's yeah. if you're around guys who are doing that, you're going to be more likely to to get into those situations where you know you're pushing the line. I don't think I don't think there are many people that are openly doping. Like I don't think people are going out there and seeking docs like this Icarus documentary and right. like doing all that. I think. I think what you're seeing though is people push those lines, find those, you know, I mean, I know I've seen, um, like, uh, uh, in bicycling magazine, the like natural EPO supplements. Yeah. I mean, that's pushing a line. If you're getting that, if you can put yeah, yourself into that mindset where you're able to justify something like that, you're not that far off from justifying really getting close to that. Yeah. That, that, gray looks, line. Like, that looks like snake oil, right? I mean, oh, I'm sure it's a complete right? placebo, but yeah. I mean, it's that mindset. If you're a person yeah. that can get into that mindset and be okay with taking that, then yeah. Well, we'll have to dive into this sure. 
at yeah. a later date and, and kind of discuss it a little bit more. There's a, there's I totally a lot of different, this, yeah. yeah, there's a lot about this. So <laughs> we'll finish watching that, that documentary yeah. and we'll come back, back to it another mm-hmm. time. So, all right, let's jump into our first topic. And that topic is going to be training tech. So let's run around the table here. I want to hear some cool tech that you guys are using or are interested in using, or if you've been researching and looking into and hear kind of what your thoughts are on that. And we'll just go to my left here, sure. Mr. Matt, why yeah, don't you absolutely. Uh, lead us off? Yeah. So, um, one piece of technology that, uh, that I think is interesting. It's one of those things that, you, you know, you check out and you're like, eh, okay. Like doesn't <laughs> seem that great until you have it. Uh, I was biking with you, I think, and I saw this, um, it's basically, it's Garmin's radar. It's, it, it, first of all, Garmin purchased the company that had built this radar technology. Uh, it's a radar, a small, um, light radar that goes on the back of your bike. And I'm super into safety. Like my wife and I are super paranoid, like anything that could potentially save you, you know, extra lights. I'm like a Christmas tree out there just lit up on the road, like trying to be safe, trying not to get by any cars. Uh, but, uh, but the radar is fantastic because um, it sits on the back of your bike and uh, it will beep at you, you know, when there's cars coming up on you. And then you can actually glance at your bike computer and you can actually see how many cars there are. So you don't do that thing where, okay, the car passed me and you hear the car pass and you slide back out, right? Like, you know, like, oh, no, there's three cars coming. Like, yeah. don't slide back out because wow. I've, I've made that mistake. Plus, which is, it's not scary. just a beep. <clears throat> It right. shows you how close they're getting. It's, it, so you're not looking you over your left shoulder and veering right. out into the lane. You see the progress of the cars coming up on you, which is really nice. What, uh, what's it called? It's 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 called the Garmin Varia. Uh, Radar. Varia. Okay. Radar, yep. So the other piece of that is Garmin um, just released an update to the product, and it used to be like this uh, horizontal like set of lights, and I would just sit behind Jake drafting like I always do, and then uh, <laughs> you can actually watch the lights, and they'll blink like you know, three or whatever, like there's no traffic and then they get wider. So you get more lights when there's cars like coming up on you. So even if, you know, one of your cycling buddies has this radar, yeah. it's still like nice because, you know, you can be sucking wheel and not have to turn or turn completely around to look for a car. You can just notice the lights yeah. that are getting wider. Oh, wow. and, and we have just I, I know, something <clears throat> happened at some yeah. point in time. You, you ended up getting one as well yeah. eventually. Yeah. And so Absolutely. I remember one day I didn't have mine. Right. And I'm like, oh, crap, I feel like I'm running around in my underwear now because I don't have my right. Garmin rearview uh, radar. So I actually connected mine to yours yeah. on yeah. your bike. And so it was on my head display. And yeah. I could actually <laughs> see the cars coming, which was so, kind of a neat yeah, thing. If one person from the group has it, theoretically, you guys could all hop on board and get the you know bike, you know, the alerts for cars and see the number of cars that are coming up on you. Yeah, so you it's, just, a, it's a cool little piece of tech. And, and I know our listeners, you know, there's, there's a couple questions that they're going to ask. One is... Why don't you just buy an effing mirror and put it on your, you know, either on your handlebar or on your, you know, and I think that's a great idea. Like you should do that too. Like anything for safety, like you should do it. But this is just better because it's right in front of your face and you're not taking your eyes off the road or anything like that. You're not looking to the corner or whatever. It's an interesting thing, you know, to, to consider. Um, and it is a little pricey. So I don't remember how much it costs, like they bucks. 199 bucks okay. yeah yeah, yeah. So, so and some, you have to have a garmin head unit for it to to truly do its thing yeah to uh, show up you can buy that as an optional piece too if you want to have it separate at least you used to be able to that might be different yeah now, you, you you can there's a a separate part that you yeah. can strap you don't you have to, to actually have the edge unit up there or whatever right. unit. yeah and it's an and i think it's an open protocol so other head units like uh, wahoo could 
theoretically implement that if they were interested in implementing that on their computers. So we'll see. You know, I mean, I think it's an interesting piece of technology. They've just updated it, and I think the update is better. It's not um, horizontal anymore. It's vertical light, so it looks a little bit more natural. A little bit more streamlined, yeah, a little bit more aerodynamic. Yeah, yeah, seems like it would be the right thing to do. So There's another level to that, and it, it, it's kind of goes into that whole you know, cats and dogs and <laughs> cyclists and, and motorists kind of thing. Um, basically, you know, motorists, one of their biggest pet peeves is cyclists being in the road or being in the way or, you know, obstructing their, their ability to go flying down the road. You know, heaven forbid we, um, you know, inconvenience them by three, four five seconds, you know, I'm sorry about that. You have this giant motor that you can get right back up to speed with. But, um, for us as a cyclist, it lets us know that there's a car coming. And if, you know, there's a couple different scenarios where, you know, you, you typically you want to ride in a bike lane, but more times than not, we all know that bike lanes are just littered full of garbage. I mean, there's mm-hmm. everything from glass to screws to nails to, you know, dead animals to you name it, it's in the bike lane. So that's kind of where things go yeah. and pile up until, That's you know, what bunny hopping is for, Jake. Yeah, but then you find yourself <laughs> just constant in the bunny yes. hopping. You're like, all right, what's that guy doing on his bike? <laughs> so you, you tend to find yourself riding closer to that white line and even sometimes coming out into traffic because you just don't want to be stopping with the flat or you don't want to be hitting stuff and crashing or you get the knucklehead that's you know over there parking his car in the bike lane so um for me though I, what i've come to find is like i'll ride like a little bit further out closer right. to the lane but when i know a car's coming I, i'll go in there and i'll fight the debris to give that car a clean line to pass and to give them ample space right. so that they can pass me with yeah. three feet of room so that it's kind of a hey you know i'm doing my part to give you as much space as i can and hopefully because you're seeing me do that, you're going to do the yeah. same, and then we can be, you know, in, in this this world together. Right. You know, it's like we and, can coexist. And with the radar, you can time it, right? Like oh, yeah. you can you can look at it, and you can say, okay, this car's. You can actually see how fast the car's coming up yeah. on you, and and adjust accordingly. Yeah, you know, and so. it actually has a, another feature on there too for all the head units that have color. It yeah. will actually, it's normally orange. It'll alert you in orange that a car's coming and you'll see this little blip off the side and the blip moves up the screen as it gets closer to you. And once they pass, it turns green, meaning that you're free and clear. If a car's yeah. coming at a high rate of speed, it's not orange, it's red. Yeah. So it really tells you like, hey, this guy's, he's, he's getting after it. So really get over. Yeah. So that's one of those like, let's coexist. And then where we ride um, here in the Pacific Northwest, up here in the the, the suburbs of Portland, yep. um, there's a little town called Washougal. It's my heaven oh, yeah. on earth for riding bicycles. It's all country roads. There's no bike lanes back there. So, um, and, and <laughs> I love the people of Washougal. Don't take this the wrong way, but some of y'all, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. don't like motorcycle or motorcycles, bicycles, and, and you got your Confederate flag flying off the back and you got your big <laughs> diesel truck rolling coal on all the cyclists. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to at least, I, I know you're coming. I'm going to get over and, and ride that fog line because that, that's my bike lane. It's that yeah. four or five inch yeah. fog line. Um, so it, it lets me kind of like ride out on that country road and have some peace of mind that it, a car is going to pop up on that thing. And I can you know, at least come over and, and not get run over by. My greatest fear is is being found dead in a ditch after yeah. riding somewhere. But it's it's not actually being dead in the ditch because I've lived a good life and I'm all good. So if that's all I like good, that that's romance. That's romance. But what my biggest fear is is that I'm found dead in a ditch and I've got Taylor Swift or Justin Bieber blaring in my oh, earphones. Oh, wait. You didn't you didn't hear the Taylor there's a Taylor Swift reference earlier in the podcast. Oh no. So yeah. It's got to be one per podcast. One, one Taylor Swift <laughs> and here's And here's the thing that, that, that's wild, too, that I think some motors don't realize is that most people who ride bicycles also drive cars. 
Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. paid taxes. It's crazy. And, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, fuel taxes no, no, no. to build said roads. Yeah. I usually give the cyclists a little bit of space, yeah. even though, I mean, I got places to go fast, but I, you know, I'm you guys know why the very first road in the United States was made, right? For bicycles, please. Uh, yes, oh, yes. Bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> the very first road in the yeah. United States was made for bicycles, not automobiles. But, you know, that's a whole nother conversation that people are going to want to bitch about. <laughs> or, or my or my favorite is why don't cyclists pay road taxes? It's like, well, most of us have license to drive cars, yeah. too. So we're doing that. Yeah, we're just out getting a little bit of exercise, <laughs> heaven forbid. Me, and together me, we weigh yeah. about 180 pounds with the bike, maybe. So yeah. it's not quite the damage on the road that a car causes. Yeah. So anyway, back to those garment vector threes. Yeah, so that's totally one of my this. favorite things. Thank you very much for sure. bringing that up. That was yeah. on my list. You so, stole it from me, but it's oh, all good. <laughs> sorry. The, yeah. So this is the, um, that was my uh, tech topic. So I didn't mean to, we totally sidetracked into, you know, cars, you know, yeah. cars and yeah. cycling safety and things like that. But yeah, we going forward. We never tangent. No. 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 So, Evan, so, tech, so any tech? I'm going to, I'm going to plug something here that's a little bit selfish yeah. but uh oh okay so I'm, I'm part owner in edge cycling technologies you can look that up on the book face on my book face or on the website that we have up. Your, your book face huh <laughs> and uh <laughs> uh we are just now releasing the physio saddle uh i am receiving a prototype in the mail here for something that we have been working on for a year and like two months now, wow. which is wild to wow. think what's, that this is What's the official here. name of it? One more time. The Physio Saddle. Physio Saddle. Yep. Very cool. Inspired by, so my uh, good buddy Shane Page is a DPT out in Ohio, and uh, I was his student on my very last um, uh, clinical as a student, and uh, we became real good friends, and he one day, you know, knew that I'm a really avid cyclist and said, Hey, I've had this idea for a really long time. Let's go drink beers in my basement and carve into foam until this becomes a thing. And we did that. Yeah. And the physio saddle was born. The, um, idea behind it is very much, uh, it's so cycling saddles have been shaped roughly the same since the, before 1900 since they, they made that first road for bicycles since <laughs> since then the saddle has basically looked the same okay um it is convex surfaces to the the closest thing since has been you know flat surfaces they've developed into cutouts along your sacrum or your si joint mm-hmm uh, well, the, the, the funny thing to me is that they call that pubic symphysis relief, but your pubic symphysis is actually never really coming into contact with the saddle. It's, it's kind of, there's, there's been a lot of, uh, promises that saddles have made in production that are not anatomically correct. So me and Shane were kind of annoyed by that and created something and described it as exactly what it is. It's mirroring your ischial tuberosities, which are your sit bones. And it exactly mirrors that in a concave surface. If you think every joint, most joints in our body are convex on concave. And that's how the body works. So why can't a saddle work that way is, was our theory. And we um, have been testing the heck out of them. And we have uh, prototypes now that we're proud to say we're sponsoring um, the uh, person who's doing right across America. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a good so, sponsor. Yeah, yeah. That's the way um, to do it, right? his name's Joe, Joe Lawhorn. I will be mentioning him quite a bit this okay. summer uh, when, when he's going across and we'll be tracking him pretty actively. But uh, That would be cool to track. I mean, that, yeah. that'd be something cool to talk about on the oh, podcast. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. Ra- Race Across America is absolutely... And it came that's through... an amazing event. Oh, yeah. It came it came through Lebanon, Ohio, uh, usually, which uh, was where the old bike shop that I used to work at was. So we, they, we were really active in that. And Joe is um, Joe's like you know the son of Ohio. He's very proud of Ohio, and he's going to go out there and race our saddle and 
Wow. It's it's yeah, it's it's gonna be awesome. He's so he's a great guy. The whole idea is that there's just less pressure on your tender bits down yes. there. Yes. Basically. So so I'm sure I've have you guys heard of the condition uh Alcox Canal syndrome? It's why your parts go numb. Gotcha. <laughs> the numbness uh, is no fun to deal with. <laughs> so so not only is there a lot of pressure on your sit bones with that convex surface of most sat of all saddles out there. Uh, there's also impinging, so there's nerves that come right through there. You know, there's a lot of nerves that come through there. Your sacral plexus shoots off a lot of nerves that go to your genitalia. And it is absolutely a nightmare on the canals that go right by the ITs, which are those sit bones. So you can imagine, I mean, every cyclist listening to this right now, if you, if your junk has not gone numb at some point during a ride, you are a lucky, lucky human being because (laughs) we all know that sensation. And the goal of this was to now create an actual concave surface, not just pad it up, not just take a convex surface and pad the heck out of it, but actually turn that into almost like a cupping since, you know, so sort of, sort of shape to, to actually provide some relief for that area and not just load it up with with more and more gel so how about range of motion i mean i'm thinking Mm -hmm. about like cupping and range of motion yeah that that could be there's a there's there's a big slope out to the nose that you can actually come out onto um and the saddle is designed to be at about a 10 to uh, 15 degree tilt uh and forward and anteriorly as we put it there but um that that is basically to give you that it's it's almost more of a saddle that really is effective for time trialists because yeah. it allows that sloping forward right. without that major pressure when you're cu- i mean i know that anybody here who's ridden ridden in a damo or a cob saddle knows that if you're not if you're a thinned pelvis person right. as you go out yeah, over that nose that's painful so i it's have not a, a smooth transition um, for those saddles i have a dash saddle mm-hmm. you should totally like hop on and just check it out sometime yeah. i mean again it, it's a traditional saddle mm-hmm. it's not like anything like what you're describing yeah but you should check it out i mean it's different and you're in you know you're into saddles so you're yeah you know you want to check yeah, it out absolutely yeah um and then this is what you're riding uh so the you're, prototype is coming out to me and i'm putting it on my road bike so okay. i can be riding on it quite a bit because i'll only have one prototype you're gonna for a little bit. give feedback and mm-hmm. adjust yep. okay okay and then we have a lot of uh we have a buddy of mine out in colorado who's also has one of the prototypes we gave one to Joe Lawhorn and a couple people back in Dayton, Ohio. And okay. then yeah, production is basically once uh we shore up a couple of the little adjustments we're making, it's gonna be in full production. If you are like in love with the saddle, you moving it to your triathlon bike? Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. Um, Just yeah. kinda see how it goes. But I'm I'm probably gonna leave it on my road bike for a while because I'm gonna after this summer get in some long miles on the road bike and I wanna try and ride the saddle as much as possible and that'll be my more high volume bike. What what's your current saddle? Uh, on your gee, it's like what came with my specialized okay by like just I, stock well yeah. i kind of feel like specialized makes decent saddles they, they do have a, yeah. i don't remember what they call their whatever yeah. system or whatever but i feel like they've put some time into mm-hmm. into kind of yeah. designing their saddles yeah so. and i think once you've been riding for a while too i mean right. i think the typical response we got when we were doing market research was right. you know well i've ridden my saddle and it's fine or i've ridden some different saddles and and, and they're fine but i think we we kind of wanted to adjust that that to, to make people realize that there is some long-term damage from sitting on that cycling seat. And it's well-documented. I mean, Alcox canal syndrome is just one of the many different neuritis or, you know, neural issues that you can have from long-term sitting in the saddle. So that is exciting stuff, man. Yeah. That is yeah. cool. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how this, the, this summer goes. Prototype. It's going to be interesting. Prototype. Yep. You just have to keep us posted on like 
you know, each step, like, and, you know, we're past the prototype phase and like, mm-hmm. we're looking for production stuff. Like I'm, I'm curious. So yeah, keep us posted. Keep I think people will be interested. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you, Lance. Um, my latest favorite piece of tech is, is the, the new bike computer from Garmin. It's the Garmin edge 1030. It's their latest update to their bike computer. And, um, it's got one really cool feature, which is called courses. Um, I tend to travel a fair amount and I try to take my bike with me when I travel and, and, for me, when I'm when I go to a new place, I want to ride a cool spot or find something cool, and it's always a bit of a challenge to, to try to find where the cool spot or where the good spot is to ride. And so often, you know, I'll search through the segment explorer on Strava and find a segment that's super popular, and then try to look up a few people who have done that segment and then look at the ride they did and then try to follow the map that they did you know it's like it's a process yes it's a process it might take a half an hour 45 minutes just to figure out where i'm gonna ride but with this uh garmin edge 1030 it's this courses feature you uh you open up the courses feature and you can have it search for a course for you and, and you can say, I want to do a 50-mile out-and-back ride, or I want to do a 50-mile loop ride. And you hit the search button, and it will, within 30 seconds or a minute, it will give you three options. Wow. And so you click on the option, you look at the map, and it shows you general elevation gain for that and where the loop is, and you just hit, yes, I want to do that one, and then it 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 gives you directions as you're riding. Yeah. So you don't have to think about it. You just pop it back on your bike and you right. just follow the directions. Turn, turn by turn directions. Yes, turn by turn directions. To so yeah. play the Indiana Jones theme song while you're rolling. <laughs> That's right. There you dun, go. Dun, 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 dun. And if you get off course, it course corrects for you. Very so cool. it's not oh, like wow. you're off course. It says, okay, go to the next light yeah. and take a left. So does it do a pretty good job at choosing like light trafficked areas um, or is that? Yes. Well, it doesn't guess... do a perfect job at yeah. that. Yeah. There, there, I have had a few times where I'm like, why am I riding on the side of the highway on the for highway. a while here? <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, it picks, uh, low traffic roads or bike lanes or yeah bike paths and things so it's so been pretty good. I wonder if from a software standpoint if Garmin is leaning on all of their data. Yes, it's purely because, from data. Yeah, I mean that's really hard to do, right? You're writing like an algorithm that's looking at stuff based yes. on a whole bunch of data points and finding out like what's popular. Yeah, that's tricky. Yeah. That's really hard. Yeah, so that's where that's where all these courses come from. It it tries to pick you know, I might tell it I want I only have time to do 25 miles or something, mm-hmm. and so it will pick the most popular routes for a 25 miles. So, yeah, there was another cool feature about that. that I, I demoed that unit for a couple months, and one of the things I kind of liked about it, and I don't think there's an application for this in a mountain bike, but definitely on the road bike, is you're cruising along and you're you're coming in hot and flying down this road that you've never been on before. And then it pops up on the screen. It's like, Hey, sharp turn coming up. It says sharp bend ahead. Yeah, exactly. And it tells you about how far it is and it lets you know as you're getting closer. So, I mean, the last thing you want to do is come and, coming down a, a hill and it, I, I know these, these roads that I've ridden on when I was using it and I was curious how that would work. And, and sure enough, it works. I mean, you're coming down 40, 45 miles an hour on this road and sometimes it'll have like a 20 mile an hour sweep on and it pops up and you're like, 
that's nice because if I'm somewhere where I, I'd never been before, I don't know if I'd necessarily be going that fast, but you don't want to come into something 40 miles an hour and it's a 20 mile hour bend and you don't know if it's a clean turn or, right. you know, full of like dirt and all that other stuff. So you want to be able to, to get on top of things and, and be safe. And it's kind of a neat feature. Yeah. So. Hi, Doug. There's Doug. <laughs> Doug the cat. Yeah. Well, the podcast, Doug. podcast needs an animal of some sort. Yeah. He's, got, he's got things to say. I mean, he's <laughs> telling me all these things in my ear, and he's I'm like, just, I'm not even coming uh, with my own thoughts. I'm just saying what Doug's thinking half the time. So. <laughs> yes. Doug the cat's like, yeah, the 1030. Yeah. Garmin, guys. <laughs> well, swing and a miss there, Mr. Doug. Doug is my little partner in crime. So, sorry, he comes along for the ride sometimes. Doug, if you knock over my beer, we're going to be on opposite sides here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah but right now we're friends. Okay, good. Times. What about you, Jake? Um, one of my favorite things that I'm using right now, and I've been using Power for quite some time. Um, I'm probably, oh gosh, about four, maybe even five years into using Power, and I've used all the iterations of, you know, crank arm base and and uh, you know crank. Uh, uh, you mean do, a power meter? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. measures your power when you're riding. Correct. So, okay, so, okay, so yeah. just quick backdrop. Power meters are basically like the they're strain gauges. You know, and it's it's pretty straightforward. String gauges have been along for a long time, but it's how much metal metal bends, and they can they can detect you know, at a certain temperature, metal bends a certain amount of, you know, and basically you can detect how much pressure or power you're putting into the pedal stroke at yes. this point, or it might be pedal, or it might yes. be the crank arm, or whatever it is. Yep. But that's how a power meter works, and it's a fantastic tool for cyclists to be able to figure out how much you know power they're putting into the bike. Yeah. Right, and that's the truest form of us being able to compare ourselves to yeah. each other, and it's not a soft science. I mean, it's, right. it's, it, I mean, they're all going to have their own like um, ranges of deviation or like mm-hmm. inefficiencies, but um, right. There's hub based, so like the mm-hmm. the center part of your wheel. There's crank arm based. There's um, spider based, and Garmin has their Vector Three, which is their uh, their newest and um, actually pretty popular um, yeah. power meter that they've offered. They, they came out last October of 2017. Seems like it's recent. Yeah. So Vector's a pedal, right? <clears throat> pedal Correct. Power meter. Yeah, and so they have two different options of it. There's the Vector Three, and then their Vector Three S. So the Vector Three is dual pedal power, so it's got a power meter in each pedal. And then there's the Three S, which just has the non-drive side um, pedal that is going to you know use an algorithm to determine roughly what your which your total, doubles it. it. It basically does double it. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been using that, and I have a little bit of a history with having some um, imbalances in my legs. And oh. it, it basically stems from when I had a little mountain bike spill and spent a couple of days in the hospital with a broken femur and um, got the thing screwed back together. So I kind of have to mind my P's and Q's, make sure you that listen I'm... listened to Taylor Swift when you, you were jamming your to bike? Swift? No. <laughs> Luckily, she didn't okay, pass it yeah. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't listening to anything that day other than myself hitting the dirt after I tried to dodge a deer in the middle of a single track trail. <laughs> Wow. And uh, yeah, <clears throat> anyhow, was the deer listening to Taylor Swift? Probably. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I didn't hear you. She talk. went one way, I went the other, and my other way was down, and I landed oh, on a rock, man. broke the hip. But anyway, fast forward to now, I still have some um, you know muscle tightness and things of that nature. So um, I started using those, and I'm using the Vector Three, so it's a dual sided power meter. And what's really nice about that is you can actually look at your pedal stroke um, independently, and you can look at your left versus right, and get like actual true clean numbers. So you can look at percentages like of your total power produced, how much of it's coming from your left leg and your right leg. And I can tell you that when my leg starts to feel a little tight and I can feel it kind of knotting up a little bit and the IT band starts to get a little bulky, I'll go back and I'll look at my power numbers. And sure enough, if you're not paying attention, all of a sudden I'm 53% on my uh, left leg and I'm 47 on my right and I'm imbalanced. So 
that tells me that I need to start paying attention more to my off the bike activities, whether it be strength training, whether it be some flexibility work or some drills while I'm on the bike doing some single leg work or really just trying to clean up my pedal stroke so that I can, you know, get that balance because if you start to show those those imbalances, you'll lose power. You'll start to develop some hip issues. You can start to develop knee pain. You can start to have like favoriting um, of one side versus the other, and that just leads to inefficiencies on the bike. Yeah, that's something we don't want. So I'm really digging that. Now the Vector Three um, is an update from the Vector Two and One, and the Vector Two and One also had these extra little pods. Correct. So one nice thing about the Vector 3 is, is the weight is also down. Correct. Which is like, so you're getting like one of the, I mean, uh, there's, in cycling, there's a lot of, we call them like weight weenies. And they're people that are like obsessed with the weight of the bike. But it's a thing, right? And so it's like, it's nice that the Vector 3s are just just a pedal. Sans pod, yep. yeah. You slap them on there. It's not quite as critical about how tight you tighten your pedal yeah. where some of the other There's vector, no like true vectors. like torque spec mm-hmm. and ca- calibration that you need to do when you're actually installing them. There is a calibration process that you use when right. you're using your head unit before you go out on a ride and it only takes like 10 seconds. Which is true for all power meters for the most part. Correct. Unless there's some weird power meters out there that are probably not doing things right but (laughs) but yeah i mean a lot of that calibration is like okay you know these are strain gauges they need to be calibrated yeah so how much are they the vector three retails for 9.99 so they're a thousand dollars they're a little on the spendy side uh thankfully garmin takes care of our team a little bit but um that's neither here nor there but um and then they have dialed (laughs) (laughs) there is the the 3s though which is it's like six or 649 if i'm not mistaken for the left side and what's cool about that is the drive side pedal it's not like a a dummy pedal that does nothing you can actually upgrade that down the road. So let's say yeah. that your pocketbook can't afford that $1,000 drop right now, but you know eventually you'd like to be able to upgrade that. Well, you can. You can, And then you can actually buy the power meter. Then you uncork it. It's just got a simple, I think it's a oh. three-millimeter Allen and bolt. You, you drop just, in the strain gauge. Yeah, you basically. take out the plug, yeah. and then you put the actual strain gauge in there and yeah. tighten it up, calibrate it, and you're off to the races. Wow. You know? that is fancy. Well, and just for people, like a lot of people, the um, Vector S is a very good option because yep. for the most part, I mean, you your numbers you know so they're taking the um left side power uh which is the non-drive side power and they're doubling it and that's pretty close right like and you can so a lot of us you know we'll do a lot of our workouts based on powers like you do you know interval workout or whatever it is and if you're off by like five or ten watts it's not that big of a deal i mean the point is do your workouts like go do a workout do something that's like based on and so like like a lot of you know i have like a simple workout that's you know it's like 10 by one minutes at 300 Watts, right? Like you guys are going to laugh because it's so easy, but like, uh, and then, you know, but you have this workout and it's like, it doesn't matter if it's 310 or 330 or whatever it is. The point is, is that you hit this thing and then you have this like short recovery and then you hit it again and you have Mm -hmm. the short recovery and then you hit it again and that you do these workouts and, and power is just the best way to do it. You know, and if you're in the wind or, you know, going downhill or going uphill, you know, it, you know, the power is going to be constant. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why power meters I think are, are really valuable. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and it actually does a couple of the little things too, which is kind of nice for your fit. So w- when you're actually pressing on the pedal, um, if your cleat position is incorrect mm-hmm. or you're pushing on the wrong side of the pedal, I mean, you want it to be at a, basically like a dead zero, which would be you pushing on the exact side, the exact spot that you want to be pushing on. If you start pushing a little bit laterally, you're going to start to get a plus number. And you can actually see where you're making impact on the pedal. So if you're pushing too far out on your foot or your cleat position is incorrect, you're going to start getting this plus number. And I think it goes up to plus four or five. 
if you start coming too close inward, you're going to start to get a negative number. So you can really clean up your pedal stroke with respect to looking at where your foot's at on the pedal. You can take a look at your left-right balance, and then you can actually look and see where you're generating watts from your, your right. pedal stroke. So you can see at what degree you're engaging and starting to develop your power and, and when that starts to exit on the backside so that you can look at how efficient you are with your whole entire pedal stroke. So you can really clean things up just by you know the simple fact of adding this particular power meter and you can get yourself going on a trainer and you can start to work on some of the uh, the neuromuscular adaptations. You can work on some of the strength training and then you can do the off the bike stuff with the flexibility and the strength training to really start to find balance and you'll end up cleaning up your pedal stroke and you'll be more efficient and you're going to generate more power, which is hopefully. going faster on your bike. Hopefully. 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 <laughs> yeah. So just kind of a neat little bit of tech yeah. that I've actually yeah. really I, grown I fond think of. A, I think that's a great piece of, of tech. Good call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that is our training tech. Let's jump into topic number two. This one's kind of a fun one because we had an interesting um, spring and winter. Um, and we actually had one last year too. But let's talk about bad weather racing. So have you guys got any good stories for us? Some bad weather racing? Some, some time that you went out and just got absolutely annihilated? Oh, yeah, I've got, I've got stories like that. Um, you know, the, Jake was saying, like, it's been a crazy winter. You know, some of our listeners might be in the, you know, New England area in the United States, and it's just like, they have just had a crazy spring, right? Where it's just like... They winter had and spring. Winter, slash spring. Well, yeah. they just Loaded. had snow in... I mean, I feel like they had snow in, in mid-April. Yeah. And so... Ohio, uh, Ohio just had... Ohio just had snow, like, a couple... Like, not too long ago. Yeah. yeah. So, and then... And I don't know if you guys remember Boston Marathon, which is in April. Mm -hmm. And that was just... They were just... I mean, the times were super slow. Like, the, the conditions were really horrible. Like, yeah. very, very cold. It was, like, 35 degrees and a 20-mile-an-hour oh. headwind yeah. for most of the race. And Boston is it's a race point that's point-to-point. Point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, oh. so, it was a headwind and driving pelting that, rain the whole that, day that's where it's so so it's so the london marathon was not too long after boston oh, yeah okay it was if you analyze those results you can right. so see how the way the the environment that you train in at the elite level especially will absolutely affect where people place you look at boston right and you have you know i mean desi wins and the uh, japanese guy wins oh what's his last name matt uh starts with a k i don't know yeah i've 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 I've, I, I feel so bad because i just read a big bio okay. on him and he's an awesome guy yeah. but uh so those are guys who have tr you know both both those athletes have trained in a lot of rain and a lot of bad weather a lot of cold weather and the kenyans really struggled now yeah. granted they blew apart yeah yeah now granted there there was uh this third place guy i think was a canyon but i mean was definitely favored to win the race and when you look at then london a couple weeks later it was hot in london i think it was the hottest recorded london marathon ever and you look at the top finishers mo farah elliot kipchoge I mean, those are the guys who, you know, right. trained and live in that heat. You know, I mean, I'm sure yeah. you take the, the cold weather athletes and, uh, athletes and put them in that sort of humidity and heat and they're going to crack. Right. But you take those same guys and put them in pouring, freezing rain. They're, you know, yeah. the, the tables turn. And Des is from like Michigan area. Um, cold right, winters in right, Michigan. Right, right. So oh, she's, boy. she's from probably, she probably lives in like the Ann Arbor area in Michigan. That's cold. Um, 
which is where the Hanson stuff there, they have Hanson stores kind of all around the Detroit area. So I'm not exactly sure where she's, you know, from, but I imagine it's kind of that Ann Arbor area, which, you know, very cold winters. What's interesting, Galen Rupp was in the race and he's kind of a local favorite because he trains and grew up here in the Portland, Oregon area. And he detonated he fell yeah. apart. Yeah, he has always struggled with, um, he has some like asthma issues and things like that. And I think, you know, you know, people would definitely say, okay, well, you know, if, if the conditions aren't right, he doesn't have the greatest race in the world. But I, I think, you know, that he's, he's had some good races in difficult conditions. He's, you know. And there's also Boston, Boston cold is different than Portland well, cold. Yeah. Like Boston cold is cold. Oh yeah, totally different. <laughs> Portland cold is like, you know, 45. Yeah. 45 in, in Boston cold is zero. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, they have snow, they have a lot, they get so much snow there. And just, if you look at like the, the guys times was, were decent in that race, but the, the women's time was two thirty nine. That's slow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes slow. Yeah. That's crazy slow. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I just think that the well, race, you think, I mean, you think about that men generally have more, well, there's, I mean, they definitely have more body size to them. There's more muscle generally. So there's going to be a little bit more heat production through those muscles. Now you could argue too, that women have usually more adipose tissue, more fat percentage. Right. Well, so, I mean, just, it just depends if at that, mar- at that level, level, at that, level, at that, at that level, it's probably negligible, yeah. but you know, I mean, there, there's definitely, you know, there's bigger, I mean, the Japanese guy who won is a bigger, stronger looking right. runner. I mean, he definitely is creating more, more heat. Yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, I think the people, I think, and, and this is just my guess is that the people that just hung in there and stuck it out were, were the ones that did really well. And the people that were just like, yeah, I'm shutting down. I'm done. Like, did you know? So the, the Japanese guy who won, uh, works for the government and it, he works 40 hours a week and just now became a professional marathoner. What? Yeah. What was well, the story with the woman who came the, in second the place? The woman that came like in a nurse second. or something yeah, like that. And just nurse. like a Sarah amateur runner. Yes. Sarah, she didn't have a sponsor. Sarah can, Sanders. Or yeah. Something. We can, we can talk about this a lot, but I think the, 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 and gr- the, 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 the <laughs> great thing with like, yeah, yeah, I need to get his name for errors and emissions, oh, but, uh, errors and emissions. there's, I mean, the, the great thing about professional running is you can go down the line of great runners and a lot of them had jobs, had careers. I mean, Roger Bannister was a doctor. Right. I mean, you have these guys who they're hyper-focused, high-achieving, and it's a sport that requires an intense amount of discipline. And, I mean, you're going to find these people that just professional running generally isn't enough for them. They've, they've got to be doing, you know, a lot. I mean, Kipchoge is a brilliant person. If you've heard the guy talk, he really is. And he's very, like, when he trains, he doesn't train in his, like, he, he does not train out of a mansion. This guy, when right. he was training for the sub two hour marathon, went and stayed like in like a farm rural community and was like, okay, the, the, the Japanese guy's name is, oh boy, I'm going to mispronounce this. Hold on. Here we go. Kawasaki. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yuki, Yuki. Oh God. Matt go. I don't know. Kawasaki. Okay. <laughs> not even close. No, not Yuki. Kawasaki. <laughs> Kawauchi. Kawauchi. Yeah. Kawauchi. I yeah, that's what I would have been saying after He's that. He's a great athlete. Kawauchi. My legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. No, have I mean, you guys, uh, it, have you ahead. ever run the Boston Marathon? No, I have yeah. not. I've run it with, I, I basically paced a friend for the Boston Marathon and I qualified for like, f- I don't know, four, six years or something like that in a mm-hmm. row. And it was like, I paced a buddy and, um, it was, I mean, the conditions were nothing like they were yeah. this past year. So, 
I, I can't imagine running into a headwind for a marathon. Lance, you have you have quite a bit, right? Uh, I've I've raced it three times. Interestingly okay. enough, okay. my my fastest marathon ever was at a Portland marathon in a driving rain. <laughs> Kept it nice and cool, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Because cool I overheat easy. Because yeah. I'm a big guy and I have a fat suit on me, and so yeah, you could have won the Boston Marathon this last year. Boss, yeah. <laughs> what was your but time? Three thirteen, I think. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Jake, so what it is, was respectable. We should take guesses on what Jake's marathon would be if he didn't break, <laughs> if his hip didn't give up on him before. She's got the aerobic capacity to go, go pretty I quick. I used yeah. to be a runner. I used to run quite a bit, actually, until I was uh, about 25 or 26. Yeah. And but the doc shut me down. That, that's, I've got, I've got oh. lots of hardware in this old body. I've got you know titanium screws in my, my femur, my femoral neck. I've got um, two six-inch rods in my thoracic spine, thoracic three, four, five, and six, um, and seven are all oh. fused together. So... Um, and that's from an old motocross thing, but, um, long story short, I used to run and right. I used to enjoy it and it was fun and I used to motor along pretty good. I was doing a lot of my running when I was like 25. So like you back in the day, back in the stone age, I didn't run with any kind of technology cause it probably oh, yeah. was back in the stone age, but, um, you know, I, I could move along at a pretty decent pace and I could go forever in a day. As a matter of fact, I got a funny story. I'll, I'll tell it really quickly. Back when I was in high school, I was a baseball player. I had a big motor and my coaches kind of figured this out when we used to have our, um, you know, seventh period PE when baseball was out of season, we would be out there and they would make us run. It was November time. So they would do the Turkey trot. So <laughs> baseball players. Running the turkey yeah. Trot. It, oh. Yeah. So, but the thing was, is like the, 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 the cross country team was, um, for some reason they showed up to the Turkey trot. So all of the different sports that weren't in season, so pretty much everybody except for like, you know, was it football? Maybe at that point in time, it was still kind of doing their thing. We'd go out and they would do the turkey trot. And it was a five mile run. And um, you would basically stick your hand out and they would have all these points that you'd have to hit and you have to get all the color markers and you you do your run. Um, my <laughs> And my baseball coach knew that I could run a little bit. So he went up and made a bet with the cross country coach. Like, hey, my, my center fielder is going to take your little cross country guys. And you know, we've got a lot of these guys that were... Um, they're like the a lot of Hispanic guys were in Southern California and they just were these soccer like uh, cross country guys that were small and could run for days. And uh, anyway, we do this. The coaches make their bet. And we go out there and we do the run and I'm just pacing these dudes and just kind of cruising along. And I wasn't a small kid. I mean, I was, you know, six foot tall, maybe about 165, 170 pounds. But, you know, mm -hmm. in comparison to these guys are like five, four and they're like 125 pounds. pounds. Exactly. Yeah, right. They're just like bebopping around. So we're, we're doing our run and I'm pacing these guys and they're kind of like, Who, who's this guy that's keeping up with us? Ball player. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we come down to the final mile and I had power that they didn't have. And I opened it up and there's like this long breezeway and I just laid it down right there and I just left him behind. And my baseball coach was jumping up and down. He was so excited. He's like, I told you, I told you, he's going to take him down. I came across and I beat all the, the cross country guys. So. Um, you know, <laughs> you, those were my running you, days. So. You won your baseball coach a beer that day. That Pro is good. <laughs> probably. I should probably call him up. That is, you know, I mean, that's when, when you look at, I think, uh, when you look at some of the, the history of the greatest endurance athletes, some of them did not start out in no, some of these sports. No. They, they were in other sports. And, I mean, some of the best endurance athletes I know were soccer players yeah, who right. just, they could run around yeah. all day. Yeah. And, and I bet was, you the best endurance athletes on the planet aren't participating in anything yeah. right now because they just right. don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, you're you in board to run. Those, yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you talk about like tribes of runners. Right. Oh, That's, yeah. you know. Tyramara, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So it's just kind of a crazy thing. But um, yeah, I used to run. I used to like it. And then the doctor shut me down because I started to develop a little bit of arthritis above and below where those, oh, those fusion why spots did were. He shut you down? And I had another doctor that, that, that wanted to, to do more <laughs> fusion back there. I'm like, no. heck no. And then I went to another doctor and had a consultation on just a second opinion. And he's like, well, you know what? You've got a couple options here. And he's like, you can continue to run and it'll probably break down eventually. I don't know if we need to do fusion surgery right now, but my recommendation is um, stop running and start doing something that's more low impact. I'm like, I like to ride bikes. He's like, perfect. Mm-hmm. So I uh, jumped on that, started doing Pilates and got a new mattress. Um, still have to this day is Tempur-Pedic, man. That thing there saved my go. life too. Um, and, and all of my symptoms basically went away, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't really have those problems anymore. So, yeah. but um, if I were to go run a marathon, I don't know. What do you think? About six hours? No, <laughs> no, no. He, he'd be under four. He'd be well under four. Yeah. It's just, I Absolutely. think the marathon is one of those weird events where it's like, it, it pays to put in the miles, you know, yeah. so it would, it would, it would hurt you. Yeah. What would you liken it to in terms of a, a bike ride? Like kind of like an STP thing? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean like a hundred mile air and, and yeah. that's just, yeah. A, yeah, it's a century. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But it's different cause it beats you up a lot more. Yeah. Oh just, yeah. It's just yeah. so much more impact. Running is so yeah. much more high impact. I mean, like you yeah. think about your typical pro cyclist can train up to 30 hours a week and, yep. and in the thirties yeah. there is no pro runner training 30 right. hours a week that'd well, be crazy yeah. mileage and the pro the pro runners are the well, some of them will do like a pretty crazy yeah. well they'll do like weights and all these other oh, things yeah. and stuff like yeah. that but but for the most part they're not running 30 hours a week mm. and cyclists really can do like 25 30 i mean they can do a ton yeah. of hours oh yeah you i mean yeah. i took a peek at who was it? Terpstra. I think it was Nikki Terpstra's buildup last year. He posted some of it. And it, I mean, his buildup to the sprint classics, that dude was riding like 35 hours a week or something. That's insane. I mean, he was putting out crazy uh, mileage. Training camp this past year, I was a little suspect because I'd never done this kind of volume before. And mm-hmm. uh, Michael Myers insisted that we're going to get this done and we're all going to come out of it like, you know, shiny and smelling like roses. And I was like, all right, well, I'll give the old call. Let's try. You know, over eight days, we rode. Um, I think it was 28 hours, if I'm not mistaken. 28 hours over eight days. Yeah. So, oh, that's serious training. You know, and yeah. it's, it was a lot of miles. It was big volume, and there was a lot of climbing in there, too. I mean, yeah. our average day was like three or 4,000. We had a couple of days in there that there was a 6,000-foot climb. There was an 8,000-foot climbing day. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a day in there that was 115 miles. And that 115-mile day, we averaged um, – well, I guess it was about 6,000 feet of climbing. I think we averaged like 21 miles an hour and we were moving along pretty good. So, um, so I should it, just start training right it. now for next year's training. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what I should but do. you know there what? You he was right. We came out the backside of that. Like you were a little tired when it was done, but you know, you kind of do an active recovery ride and you kind of mosey right back into your normal training routine. And like, you're like, holy crap. Yeah. I feel pretty good. Yeah. My FTP went up and this is a good thing. Yeah. So, um, I was pretty happy with that and I'll definitely be, uh, signing up again for next year. So, yeah. And that's, I mean, when, when you look at what, what type of athletes can, can embrace that type of training. Yeah. I think, I think it does take a specific yeah. sort of now, Jake, you just telling that cross country story tells me something about you is that yeah. your whole life, you probably had a very high VO two max. I'm right. sure now, yeah. now we can sit here and debate what's the importance of VO two max. VO two max just shows your, your genetic ceiling. Basically right. that's it's like, that's it's like knowing your trying. potential. Exactly. And it's, that's why I never wanted to test mine. <laughs> oh, I got mine tested. And I love it. it's it's you, you, you should not. I bet, no. I bet you would see a good I number. Won't. No, you're, you're a guy who ran hundred mile weeks. I yeah. can, t- I could take but, a guess at what yours is. Yeah. And I, I had a pretty good guess at what 
what mine was when I was, you know, Mm -hmm. at peak fitness and stuff. And I was like, I know what it is. And I have a feeling it's one of those numbers that's like, not, you're not ever going to make it to the Olympics. It's it's just (laughs) like one of those things where it's like, you're (laughs) here, you're good, but you're not great. There, there are some, but then if you just know those numbers, it's like, so, okay. So I, in high school, I dated this girl and, um, and she has been in all these books and stuff like that. Right. Like she's Mm -hmm. like, you know, she was a very good runner and she tested extremely high, highest VO2 max tested by a guy named Jack Daniels, who you might know. He's like this, a big coach guy. Oh, sorry. I was thinking, yeah. Jack Daniels, no, not the drink. Yeah, okay, but he, okay, my bad. He, he's the guy, he's one of the guys that like I've pioneered heard, yeah. VO2 mm-hmm. max testing. Yeah. So, uh, and she, you know, she's gone to the Olympic trials a whole bunch of times, but she's never made the Olympics. And then it's like, mm-hmm. if you know the, your potential and then you running fall short, yeah, right. Running then economy. Like, um, then, you know, then, you know, it's like, Hey, do you, I just don't want to know. I don't want to know for sure. It's like, it's like you can knowing, dream. Like it's maybe like knowing the, the day that you're going to die. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's like knowing yeah. that, like you have a firm now. Yeah. I think that there's a lot. I mean, there's so many other numbers that are important though, but that's just Jake, Jake you, you telling that story shows me you probably oh, yeah. are, are somebody who could absorb a 28 hour week. Now there's well, plenty of athletes that cannot absorb a 28 hour week like that. And then I'm not sure also like if VO2 max is the number that you would want to look at for like absorbing high volume. Yeah. So you'd, you, you'd probably want to look at like, like energy efficiency. V, v, VO2 would be big though, just because it's going to show, uh, yeah, the, right. the, there, there's a lot of different numbers you would need to look at. Right. Muscular that's endurance. Like that, that's I think like it's that, huge. Like, Hey, this person's going to do really well in like an hour long event. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. it's just, I just think there might be different numbers yeah. to look at. It's, it's tricky to know, you know, like for me, it's like the, the 10 K right. Like, or even mm-hmm. the marathon, it's like, that's your VO two max. It's like, it's kind of like your potential Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think I maximize my potential, not anywhere close to making the Olympics. <laughs> so yeah. So that's, that's fine. You are definitely a local hero though. Local. You're hero. probably the closest <laughs> one at this table to the Olympics though. No, you're a D one runner. Think I think so. I'm sure. Well, if Jake just gave the old college effort, he would. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Jake and Lance are probably a little too old to <laughs> be talking about anything with those. Uh, Ship is sailed. Oh, this yeah. is too much pressure. Does that mean I have the most potential? Yeah, You're actually, that's right. Yeah. That's past that time. Actually, past that time. you shouldn't have brought that up. You're it. I don't know. I think you are the winner. I'm not sure if me and Ben Knut are on the same level. He's, he, he's yeah. got me by quite a bit. <laughs> Fun. All right. Well, we've got, um, we've got time for another little quick thing. I just real quick, let's talk oh. about... I'm sorry. Go we ahead. never actually really talked about bad weather racing, yeah. like our own personal. We, we did, and I, I think we, that's okay. I think we used up all of our time, but <laughs> we can do one <laughs> or two things. Day. I want to talk about some rituals and routines, okay. but we can oh, leave that for one. another day and time, unless you want to run around the table real quick and talk about some yeah. bad weather. Because I've got a good story. It's a it's a it's, good one. It's let's do bad weather. You want to do bad weather? Okay, Evan, you jump. Well, did you finish up your story? I think you kind of started broaching the subject. We just started rambling about the Boston Marathon. So boom, VO2 max. I don't even know how we got there. I have no idea how we got there. Okay, I'm sorry, sorry. It's yeah, Matt and Jake. Rat hole. Rat the little beer that they had. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, the Ironman before the last one I did was Ironman Canada. I felt like I was in really good shape. The weather conditions were not ideal. Um, it was, it was, you know, summertime. So, you know, you pack your bags. You know, I grab my, I grab my backpack. I throw in my try, try outfit. Good to go. I go up there to Whistler, Canada. Turns out that the weather conditions can be pretty cold there in the summertime. Uh, I was ill-prepared, and uh, the race conditions were, you know, sleet and snow and rain mix, 
and um, the Whistler course, you know, you're you're dropping down. I mean, you can imagine Whistler skiing, right? So you're dropping down these huge slopes on a TT bike, um, and you're gonna get cold if it's sleeting out. Uh, so yeah, and you so were like just in the water too, right? So um, some tips, pro tips. Uh, one thing that I did was I took a, a trash can bag, like it just, you know, just like cut it <laughs> and I put it underneath my Jersey and I basically made like a plastic square underneath my Jersey and, and two things here. One, I think it does keep you really warm. I think it helps a lot, right? Cause mm-hmm. you're trapping in a lot of heat and keeping water out. So, and then the other pieces, you know, if you're keeping something kind of tight to the body, I think that's pretty aerodynamic, right? So if Probably. you're, if you're obsessed with aerodynamics, like all triathletes should be, then, then this is what you're thinking. Like, okay, I don't want to wear a big jacket. I don't want to put my parka on and then, you know, have to like sacrifice, you know, 20 minutes of time. That's just aerodynamics. So you're thinking of all these little things. So I, I thought about that. And then how'd you put it on? I'm trying I to put it that. on after the swim. So I had a, like did you a cut 10 minute arms in it or did you no, just like no, it's just slip it underneath like, your, your, I cut a square in the trash bag and, and put it, um, did it stay from my waist? Yeah, it did. And then it actually warmed up on the bike ride and I think I got rid of it mid ride. But, um, some other pro Miranda Carfrey, is that mm-hmm. the woman that's won like two? Oh yeah. Miranda yeah. Carfrey. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. won a couple of the world championships, you know, I think yeah, she's two. Won two Konas, I think, yeah. I think two. And, uh, she still holds a marathon. She record, mentioned it in like one of her like YouTube video clips. And I was like, right on. I did the right thing. If this girl thinks it's the right thing, then I maybe, you know, um, I mean, I pro did. cyclists use newspapers. So, so same idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Successful hack then. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a decent hack, yeah. you know, and nice for any hack. of our listeners, take it, use it, yeah. do what you hey, will. We, we got Don't. some teammates going to Canada this year, right? Bring the trash bags. Well, do we, do we have just, some? I think. Check the weather forecast. Don't be it. Don't just don't just <laughs> assume, assume it's summertime <laughs> and throw your tri jersey. That was a mistake. There's an app for that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you, Evan? So I have a back to bike racing story. My okay. my days as a as a cat three way back when. Um, I was racing Harrison's Tomb, uh, road race, which is at the end of a. It's called the Queen Stage Race in Southern Ohio. Uh huh. Uh, the big one, everybody loves to go to it. Uh, the, the, I guess in Ohio, I consider them the big hitters, but you know, that's a good racing community, but nothing like it is out in Oregon or Colorado or California. But, um, it was a three day race and the last day it was pouring. And I mean, like anybody who's been to the Ohio river Valley knows that we don't get as much rain as you guys do here. But when it rains, it is like you have blinding s- shift storms. You have like yeah. 50 yard visibility. I'm right. talking like, wow. I mean, buckets dropping, dropping. So the rain starts and it picks up fast, uh, in a field of, I think the cat three field was probably 40 or 45 for this race for all three races. And there was the, the funny thing was every guy over the age of 35 dropped out, which was funny because <laughs> I was standing next to one of my buddies who was over 35 looks at me and goes, yeah, I got kids <laughs> and goes, <laughs> goes back to the car. Me don't have kids. So I'm, I got no excuse. I'm, I'm doing this race. And, uh, my, uh, I line up and I'm like, Oh boy. Uh, I am now the oldest person in this race at the age of 23. I think nothing but like June, Catherine juniors. And like, I mean, strong kids. One of them was Spencer Petrov, who anybody who follows the cyclocross scene, knows that Spencer is one of the contenders for yes. uh, the, the the national scene in cyclocross from Southern Ohio. 
knew the kid growing up. I raced him oh, yeah. from when he was 15, 16. Incredible athlete, incredible person, great guy. Uh, he was one of those young idiots, though, who was just about to race in this blinding rain. So we had probably a field like 15 or 16, I think. Out of the 45, almost everybody dropped out. And, I mean, it, it, it was a lot of climbing through the Ohio Valley. One of those descents was, no lie, the most terrifying thing I've ever done on a bike. Yeah. I mean, we, we literally had 50-yard visibility. I had to take off my glasses because I wear contacts, and my contacts are getting destroyed at this point. And it basically became a game of like survival at that point. But you got a bunch of people without their frontal cortex fully developed, <laughs> and everybody's everybody's blindly just did, just bombing down these descents and just hammering the climbs. It was it was just a free for all, terrible racing. Oh God, you survived. You didn't crash. Nothing. Somehow nobody in that race crashed. Yeah, it was great. Like the worst conditions ever, and nobody crashed. How'd you finish? Uh, I finished off the chase group. Well, I was, I was with the chase group. So there was a group of six that got away. Gotcha. It, Spencer was in that group. They were just head, head and shoulders better everybody else. Wow. Fun. Crazy. Lance, years and years um, of racing experience yeah. here. <laughs> I have a lot of bad weather stories, but I mean, the good bad weather story was, uh, was running that Portland marathon at, mm. uh, and in the driving rain and, it just cooling me off and me be able to just hammer through it and, and get my marathon PR. So that was a good one. But last year, was it last year? It was two years ago um, in, during cyclocross season. So I'm going to tell a cyclocross story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me get, let me get a beer. Are you ready, Matt? Get my beer Do you ready. have to be drinking a beer to let be me. telling a cyclocross story? <laughs> <laughs> I have a cowbell underneath my seat that I'm going to eat. So this race was um, out in the Columbia River Gorge. We mention that a lot for yeah. some reason, but um, uh, it, it's in a, a, a little town in the Columbia River Gorge, and it had been... It had been pouring for days before the race, and cyclocross is notorious for being in bad weather anyway because it's in the fall. And um, I had been racing really well that year. Um, I was lining up with the Cat 3s. The the finish, the the start shoot had about 20 meters of wet grass and mud (sighs) and then about 150 meters of 10 inch deep water. Oh, <laughs> so to ford a river. Yes. Race. Okay. And, and the start of a cyclocross race is full out sprint, get to the corner first because position matters because yeah. it's hard to pass people. Did you feel like your triathlon history like pulled you through? You're like, I you got my snorkel. It's right. I'm, I'm, I'm got ready my goggles to go. on. Can you, so, so, so here's a technical question. Can you start on a run? No. Oh, because I was gonna say I I would just pick up the bike and just sprint through the well, water. Well, yeah, you can, but if if you've got enough momentum, it's quicker to ride until uh, you okay. get to the point Great. where it's gonna be faster to run, and you have to have the judgment to be able to say I should run now and oh. pop off and run. Yeah, so you're gonna love cyclocross. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be bad at it because my judgment isn't good. I mean, I can run and bike, but my judgment is not a good part of my racing. I could have I could have told you that. Yeah. <laughs> Any anybody who's bike yeah. race with me knows that yeah, I make some poor game time decisions in the middle of races. You're gonna like cyclocross, <laughs> yeah. So the start gun goes off. We blast through the water. I'm I'm actually riding pretty well. I got to the first corner in like third place in a field of I don't know fifty or something like that. For and it was like a five lap race. The the by the second lap we had kind of separated. So I was like in third place, and 
when you've got that much standing water on the course, it's a really hard to ride through. But it actually, mud is more forgiving than standing water because the standing water will actually wash out the mud. So there's rocks that you can't see. Oh, God. Yeah. Oof. And so I'm hammering, I'm hammering, and I flatted. Oh, yeah. So kind of game over. I put my bike on my shoulder. You have to run to the next pit. And, you know, I got passed by 40 guys. So it was a bummer because yeah. I was like in third place when I flatted. And then, then it's the whole equipment issue because yeah. there are. Could you just like run the last lap? Yeah, you could, but it's okay. much, you have to have much slower. You have to have your bike with you. Yeah. So you're just slung over yes. your shoulder, you're sprinting. <laughs> yeah. What was the weather like that day? Was it It raining? was. It was driving rain. Yeah. yeah. The the whole day. Temperature was? 42, 40 oh, degrees. It ouch. was cold. Yeah. That's not fun. There's That's tents true. set up and there's it's people a lot had fires. Your feet are wet. Yes. Oh, it just soaked. <laughs> What what's your uh, your suit of choice when you're in that kind of uh, uh, um, weather, if you will? I I wear arm warmers. That's in, just a kit and arm yep, warmers. Yeah. Are you the guy who will never wear anything on like his calves? Yep. Oh man, I'm so <laughs> soft. Well, not for that. nothing though. <laughs> when when you're in a cross race like that, between all of the mud and the water and all oh, that yeah, other stuff no that point. gloms yeah. onto you, like your skin, yeah. it, it just naturally kind of wicks itself yeah. off. And it'll hold on to a little bit. But if you're wearing leg warmers or you're wearing like a it full, soaks it, up. it like mm-hmm. soaks it up, and then things start to bind to it. And next thing colder. you know, you, you weigh like five, ten pounds more because right. you're if wearing too much. If it's snowing, I'll put on my knee warmers or leg warmers. <laughs> how, about, oh, how about gloves and extremities? Yes, talking yeah, about full glove, full yeah. finger gloves. Real, real quick before we go to Jake, I had another what my first bike racing season. My very what was supposed to be my first race in Oxford, Ohio. Yeah, we get there. It starts snowing on the way there. Oh. And originally they're like, hey, you know, we're gonna ride it out. And this is like Ohio snow. It's building up. It's building up. We get to the point where we're like, okay, there's about two inches of snow on the road. The, the race organizer is still saying like, hey, we're going to race. And everybody being like, hey, we just trained all winter. Whatever. Let's go out and do it. So we're riding up. All of us are slipping. I've already fallen twice just warming up oh at this gosh. point, which is I'm nervous. This is my first yeah. race ever. I'm young. I'm like 18, 19 or whatever. And we we uh, are about to get started. And the moto, uh, the the cop, you know, starts to yeah. pull over, uh, starts to pull up. Comes around a corner, slides out. Oh. He gets up on his bike, pissed off, puts his hands up. He's like, nah. Nah, we're done. And so they call it <laughs> they off. Call race so, off. So we joke about this this day. If that guy wouldn't have fallen, probably would have raced that day. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, my my personal um, history wasn't all that bad. I didn't have a lot to really draw on. Like in Southern California, we had summer <sighs> and summer light. So um, <laughs> it, it summer, wasn't. Summer, pretty summer. Exactly. It, it was never really bad. I mean, there was days down there where it was, you know, 100 plus degrees and I'd still go out for a ride because I was acclimated and, and you know where all the water stops were. And, you know, that was about as bad as it got down there. Um, I can remember days where like we would be riding out in the canyon and where I lived it was about 100. You get back into this canyon area and it goes up to like 105 and then you go up in these like little chutes and it gets up to, like 110, 115 degrees that gets pretty toasty and especially when you're climbing back there and that stuff's beaten down on you that can really start to wear but um that was really about as bad as it got i mean aside from the santana winds down there those things will come out of nowhere and like again when you're riding back in the canyons there's like these little um ravines if you came by a ravine that, that kind of shot down the wind would kind of follow that down naturally you'd be coming along and you might be feeling like a little 10 mile an hour doohickey coming from the side and all of a sudden you get hit by like a 50 60 mile an hour gust and that thing will deviate you like three four feet out into the road that gets dangerous if there's cars coming so it, mm-hmm. it was 
exciting, but definitely one of those things where you had to, um, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's a fish tank in here and one of my fish just jumped out of the water and did a Shamu thing. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure Doug is eyeing that fish right now. You know, seen that, it? it made like a Mario sound. So yeah. hopefully, that's, that's hopefully, like I thought yeah. that was for a second. Yeah, that's that a, was pretty awesome. Yeah. Doug doesn't care about the fish for, he, for, doesn't? He, oh, wow. he kills everything under the sun, but he, he leaves the fish alone. I think he's got some sort of agreement with them. He knows <laughs> yeah, that they're, they're kind of cool, but there's a mutual agreement. Yeah. There. yeah. So anyway, um, Anyway, Southern California, summer, summer, like, not a big deal. I moved up here to the Pacific Northwest, been here for just about three years, and I think I've th- seen just about everything that Mother Nature can throw at you here for the most part. I mean, super cold temperatures, riding in the snow, riding in freezing rain, uh, riding in, you know, just torrential downpours. It, it, it's all there, and you, you just kind of acclimate. It's just like no such thing as, you know, bad weather. It's just bad clothing choices, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when you get into a race, that, that kind of changes the dynamics a little bit because you're at race pace and you're generating a lot of heat. So there's sometimes you'll get out to a race and it's like there's a temperature. It's like about 45 to 48 degrees. Things could go either way. Like, I don't want to wear this because it could be too warm and I don't want to not wear enough because all of a sudden, it, you know, the temperature drops just a little bit. So sometimes you're gambling and you roll those dice. What, do you, what do you lean towards? So, so, so if it's on the, on the fence, what, do you, what are you usually going to do? Do you I, go light or heavy? I err on the side of going a little bit lighter. Same. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I, I I know that if I really do get that cold, um, I can just light it up and just go harder. Yep. And yep. and know that I you know, maybe everybody else is suffering and, and I can generate a little bit more metabolic heat and, and kind of save myself. So in, in a race two years ago, it was Kings Valley Road Race, um, like the one that we did last this past April. Um, and I'll I'll fast forward to that one in just a second. I erred on the side of it's going to be a little bit cooler. Um, what we weren't expecting out there was um, Mother Nature throwing just about basically the kitchen sink at us. So we dealt with rain, heavy rain. We dealt with wind, heavy wind. And we dealt with a hailstorm. And we dealt with a little sunshine. I think it was about like it was like the last mile of the finish. Like the sun came out for the finish. It was just like almost poetic. And then as soon as you crossed the finish line, it just got all dark and gloomy and started just dumping on us again. I was like, good God, you're killing me smalls. So I can remember coming into the, 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 there's a, when we talked about this before in a, in a race recap, there's um, basically two legs on the back leg. So you're going South and then you kind of make this right hand turn and you're kind of going Southwest, if I'm not mistaken, which goes into the final, like three miles of some stairs step climbing. And then there's like a 200 meter finish. So we're on that second to last leg and the wind was blowing so hard. And then all of a sudden you're like, you're literally like, leaning over like 10 degrees like into the wind just to keep yourself going straight and there's like you couldn't form an echelon because of the way that the road was and like the lead cyclist was out and he was like guttering everybody and then all of a sudden the hail comes down with like driving winds and it's pelting you and it's like stinging your entire body you're taking it in the face and the arms and the you know it's bouncing off your helmet and your legs and you're just like oh my god i want to get out of here so bad and you want to attack but you can't because the wind's blowing so damn hard so we were stuck there for a bit and it was um it was terrible and then we made that last turn to start doing the climbing before the sun came out it started to pour rain and it was windy and i can remember um chris hannell he came up next to me and he wanted to know what we wanted to do in that final climb. His day warm. <laughs> the poor guy. Like There's you could see. There's still a race to win. Yeah. His his lips were purple, and all around his like his face, like his cheeks and everything were blue, and he was just he was shivering so bad. 
that two things were happening. His like mouth was numb and he couldn't talk and he was shivering so bad he couldn't get words out. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. and that was him basically saying, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I can't talk right now. You know, it's like he couldn't get words out because he was so cold and you could see like the giant goosebumps on him and he was just chilled to the bone. So he, um, he did everything he could and he, he gave us a nice little lead out and then he fell off and he was just, he was toasted. And, um, you know, thankfully I, 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 I think we went out and we did our morning warm ups that before the race. And I'm like, you know what, this might be one of those days where I want to slide on the leg warmers. So I was basically wearing a base layer over under a Jersey. And then I had my, my, you know, my Jersey, my bibs on, and then I slid on some leg warmers and that for me, I was fine. And that I, I was able to thermal regulate and I didn't ever get too cold. Chris, on the other hand, I think he he may have not been wearing leg warmers, and he just got too wet and too cold. And he's kind of a, a smaller guy, and he's got a really like lean body composition, so his mm-hmm. body wasn't like wasn't feeling it. But led me out, and I felt good, and ended up you know having a strong finish, and, and actually won that race. And yeah. it was miserable though. Once we got over the top, riding back, it's a five mile ride, and it's all downhill. So you really you're not like you know, hammering, the wind was blowing, we're soaked to the bone and you just have that wind blowing over and you're going slower because you just poured yourself out and you're like, the last thing I want to do is hammer to keep myself warm because I just raced for 56 miles and you're riding back on this descent, the wind's blowing over you because the rain stopped and everybody just started to freeze up. I was fine. I'm thankful I got back to the car, jumped in the truck real quick, flipped on some some clean, dry clothes and I get out of the car and the 50s group who started after oh. us, they had just gotten back and one of our teammates, and, and God bless his soul, Ian, Ian Gibson, gets um, up to the car, and he is like livid that he is so cold. And I've never seen somebody so bad. Um, and I've told this story a million times. If you heard me tell it before, I'm bad at the cold. But he couldn't. He was shivering. He was uncontrollable shivers. It was shivering so bad, and he was so pissed off that he was so cold. And he was trying to get his jersey off, and he couldn't get it off. It was stuck to him because it was so wet. So he's trying to zip it down. He's trying to get it off, and he's pissed because he can't get it off, and he's so cold. And he's trying. He, he, like, what happens when you're pissed? You start, you start wanting to curse a little bit. He's want to drop the f bomb, and he can't get it out because he's shivering so bad. So he's like, he just kept going. He must have done that ten times, and I didn't know whether he never got it out. He couldn't talk. He couldn't compose a sentence to get it off him and i didn't know whether to like call 911 because this guy's gonna die of hypothermia or to fall on my ass laughing because he couldn't drop an f-bomb so i ran over there and i zipped it down for him and i pulled off him like don't worry Ian, i got you buddy and like yanked his jersey off him and put a blanket around him and like he went and sat in the car and he was so upset and like about 15 minutes later he emerged he's like thank you so much I was so effing cold. Like, <laughs> and that's just a story we tell every year. And that's, that's Kings Valley. And that, that, that was my, like one of my favorite moments in cycling that, that kind of scared me a little bit, but it was actually pretty funny and it's a fun story to tell, but it yeah. was uh, definitely, that's, I think, I think, I, I think bad to weather wrap, racing. Yeah, to, to, to wrap up the bad weather racing, I think, especially when you're from these regions that are prone to that kind of racing, yeah. There, there's like a real brotherhood bus, but behind yeah, that. I mean, survival like, of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah. like between Ohio and Michigan, like the race stories you get, at least from, from where I'm from, were like stuff that brought us together. Like when there was bad weather, we were complaining about it, but you bet everybody was out for that race. Yeah. Because you want to have that story of like driving rain and sleet during yeah, a race yeah. and you wanted to be out there with yeah. the guys. And that was, yeah. I mean, like I, I know even for triathlon, like when I used to work for a race company, we would try and drive that race as cl- I mean, unless there was lightning right over that lake, like we were doing that race almost no matter what. So yeah. yeah the epic ones are fun Makes to those tell stories. The stories from. Yeah. 
All right, so let's wrap this thing up. We'll run around the table, and we're going to hit one last thing. Anything you want to talk about, whatever's on your mind, whatever you are excited about right now, whatever. Okay. Matt, one yes. last thing, buddy. Yeah, well, um, it's yeah. so I'm excited about the podcast. I think it's going well. I think we're doing a good job, and I'm excited about the feedback, and I'm I'm thankful for the listeners yes, sir. Uh, that are taking their time to, you know, whatever they're doing, they're going for their long run or maybe their bike ride or whatever it is, and they're listening to us along the way. Some people are listening to us while they're doing their work, which yeah. is just yeah. super cool. So I'm appreciative of that. Uh, it is a lot of work, so I'm appreciative to Jake that's putting in a lot of time for the – um, the editing pieces, like putting together the schedule for this, like all the equipment, all the stuff that goes into behind the scenes stuff. Yes. I'm super appreciative of that. Um, and so, you know, my ask of our listeners is, um, you know, two things. Um, and, and one is shoot us recommendations for like, um, topics. Yeah. What uh, do you guys yeah. want to hear? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if you have questions, questions like, yeah. you know, especially like we, we, we tend to just gloss over stuff, whether that's guide like, us. Yeah. Right. Right. Where it's like, you know, like we'll, we'll just be like, Oh, well power meter was this and I was hitting this, you know, this per- percentage of my FTP or whatever. Like, I don't know what FTP is like hit us with your questions and we, we will be happy to have those to answer. And, and one reason is it helps us to have content to, to go over and just go through. It helps us to, um, have some direction in how we want to put things together. Um, so it will help us if you guys, you know, send in your feedback. Um, and then the second piece is again, part of feedback is like, you know, um, whether, you know, you can rate us or subscribe or whatever you can do that way to the podcast that does help the podcast a lot and we appreciate it. Yeah. So, so that's my, that's my two cents. And if you ever want to reach Matt, ask Matt, directly a question sure. give him a shoot him an email matt at dialedpodcast.com and then general questions for the podcast info at dialedpodcast.com info at dialedpodcast.com mm-hmm. okay yeah uh i just want to say thank you to listeners too i know okay. we, we've gotten some awesome i mean just like people come up and say like, hey listen to the podcast it's yeah. awesome and it's just great to i mean i think we can make it better by ju- just like you said getting feedback from the listeners i mean i want to talk about what people want to hear I mean, you know, I can I can sit here and talk all day. Yeah. I mean, I can ramble. People don't want to listen to me just ramble, though. <laughs> so I want to ramble about, like, things you guys want to hear about, you know. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, I want to be the physical therapist for this community. And it's, for, for, for me, it's it's a passion. It's not really my, you know, I mean, it's kind of my job, I guess. You know, I guess I, guess I go and I, I, I work as a physical therapist. But I want to make sure you're all having healthy race seasons. And I don't want you guys to be poor Jake over there who gets told he can't run anymore, you know. So... <laughs> So, you know, come, you know, absolutely shoot me, you know, emails at, at the dialed podcast. You can, you know, call, call East Vancouver proactive. If you ever want need a consult or anything like that, you know, I just want to be uh, uh, a tool for the community in, in that sense. And uh, another little, little plug here coming up is like, we know, I, I love cycling history. So when the grand tours come around, I get really excited and we have the Giro coming up. Oh yeah, and we me, have so much cycling stuff to talk oh, about. Yeah. So. And me being Italian, I would love to get some like <laughs> roundtable bets here. Gotcha, Lance. One last thing um, from Lance Romance. Lance Romance. <laughs> Lance Romance. <laughs> that, is that might stick, my friend. Oh, <laughs> I spilled funny. the beans. That was funny. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug something selfish. Um, I want you all to go uh, follow my Instagram page yeah. because hey, I, yes. uh, the gram. I, my uh, my self-worth is tied to how many people like my random photos. <laughs> <laughs> so go follow my Instagram page. I tend to post 
interesting pictures. They're not all cycling related. They tend to be more outdoor stuff. But yeah, um, I'm the world traveler. Yeah. Where can so, we Where can we find you? It's at Doctor Hep, D R H E P P. That's my. That's such a yeah. doctoral Doc- name. Yes. So at Doctor Hep. If they're searching in Instagram, as I'm doing right now, Doctor Hep. Nice. H E P P. It's gonna, dangerously close to happen. Go like it. So, yeah. I'm following you now. <laughs> All right. You just you just got you, you're I, up. You're I, plus I'm one. Up one fo- look, I just got a you're plus one. I just got a yeah. notice that I got one more follower. Hey, I just got a big, look at that. Just got a big smile. And, yeah. and, and, and okay, so if you guys are into cycling, which a lot of the people that listen to this are, there are bikes in the photos. There are beautiful gorge photos. There is like amazing sunsets. Oh, actually, I remember this picture. This is of Fort Vancouver, which is. You know, uh, it's it's close to where we live, and it, with the colors in this picture are absolutely fantastic. So, really, really nice photography, and you should absolutely follow him on Instagram. Thank you, man. Matt does a pretty good job with the Instagram too. What's your Instagram, Matt? Are you not looking for followers? Uh, oh. <laughs> no, his I mean, self worth is not tied yeah. to how many followers. <laughs> let's 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 be real. It absolutely is, and it's. Uh, I think it's Matt underscore Legrand. So let's just do a quick search. M A T T underscore it's hard to find on the keyboard l-e-g-r-a-n-d and you will find me on the instagram and it's important that you follow me jake are you <laughs> are you an instagram guy i am i've actually am slowed down on that only, quite a bit i've um i'm the only non-instagrammer here and, <laughs> and you're the youngest one and i don't have a twitter <laughs> the internet twitter. the internet is a face you're good the, the internet's <laughs> gonna be yeah social media is gonna phase out the here inter- in the internet too. is gonna blow over it you're is, good uh, you're yeah. good yeah yeah my personal instagram is mtb for you know, mountain bike yeah. that used to be very mountain bike centric um back in the day when i first started the gram so it's mtb <laughs> underscore jake that is my Instagram, but um, I do a lot more stuff for the dialed cycling team. So there's the at dialed cycling team, and then there's at dialed cycling. Um, those are the two accounts that I probably do the most with right now, just to try and uh, help get the word out about the team and show some cool stuff and celebrate our, our folks on our team and make sure that we're all um, you know pretty happy and, and and doing good stuff and being represented. So, uh, Lance, was there anything else besides you wanting to uh, to pimp yourself on nope. Instagram? Purely selfish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I like I like that idea. I hey, think we should leave. That's with, a good wrap. I think up, we should. Yeah. That should be part of our intro too. Is like hit our Instagrams yeah. up, hit our. You we know, need, we yeah. need more egos here. Yeah, yeah. There's there, there's definitely not enough enough ego Absolutely. here. Yeah. You need to follow Lance on Strava too. And oh yeah. Give him some kudos there, that's but true. you just gotta follow him just strictly for the ride titles. The nothing ride else. Titles. And you'll oh, get are some. You, are you a ride title yeah. guy? Yes. Oh my gosh. God, I hate when people just put morning ride. Who's a morning ride person no, 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 shame no, no, on you no no, no no his are the best titles yeah. of all of my followers he's yeah. the best titles by every day you log on to strava you're like right, what what lance what did he do today <laughs> where did he ride and what what lance, did he title yeah lance should have to each week he has to say his best yeah, title his from best that week yeah. Ooh, best ride that would be hard because he would have you know at least seven yes. really good yeah. ones. <laughs> fun stuff um my one last thing um gosh Again, like you guys, I'm just super thankful for this. I'm thankful for you guys sitting at the table here. I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but... Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're the guy putting in the work. We yeah, appreciate it. You know, here we are. We've been rambling on for an hour and a half. And, and oh, boy. <laughs> killing us. This, this is for the long train ride. This is the zone one, two <laughs> yeah. long ride. Sorry, folks. This one ran a little long, but uh, it's all, all good because we're having fun. But it's just one of those things. That was the driving reason. I've always wanted to do one of these, and we, we did it, and we started doing it. And I just sit around, and again, time vortex. Time just disappears. I look down, I'm like, 
well, wow, we've been here for over an hour. Oh, now we've been here for an hour and a half <laughs> just talking about stuff. And, and I love I love how eclectic things are and, and how we can bounce all over and just touch on all these these cool topics that I'm interested in, um, even some of the stuff that I'm not so interested in. <laughs> but <Right>. yeah, <laughs> it, but still, it, it, it's something that flows. So I'm appreciative of that. I appreciate you guys sitting at the table. I'm appreciative of the people and the feedback that we're getting. Um, it's all fun stuff and uh, just thankful for being able to ride my bike in a beautiful place and I'm thankful for uh, good weather. I'm thankful for good friends and, and health. So good stuff and mm-hmm. kind of happy about that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So um, on that note, we're going to wrap this thing up. Um, you guys have anything else? All right. We will catch you guys next time. All, All right. right. Thanks thank for you listening. for listening, hey, everybody. For, uh, for Matt, for Evan, for Lance, for myself, Jake, uh, thank you for listening and bye for now. <laughs>